an hour of truth for the battered but proud people of the Empire State. From the financial and entertainment epicenter of New York City to the sleeping and empty small cities and towns of upstate, which once bustled with manufacturing, mining, and farming. We all know from inspiration, history, and nature, we deserve a return to the success and growth of generations past, a birthright being squandered by corruption in Albany, and the depredations of an insecure, scheming mountebank posing as governor, who loathes both us and himself. As liberty beckoned to enslaved peoples behind the Iron Curtain via American broadcasts after World War II, we now say, believe, rise, and join us. Welcome to Radio Free New York. All right, welcome everyone to Radio Free New York. I'm Kevin Wilson, your host for today. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for being here. You guys are amazing for listening to our show. Uh, we're talking about a couple different topics today because uh, I want to talk about uh, the the federal executions going on, things going on with that stuff, and I wanted to talk about uh, some of the latest COVID updates too. And, and some of the stuff is kind of the COVID updates I want to talk about is just coming out, like like literally, like it's it's happening at a press conference, like as we speak. But there, there's some interesting stuff that's probably going to impact our region um, because uh, Governor Cuomo is changing, changing things up again. Some of these changes might be good. I think it's, it's him listening and getting pressured by people who are like, hey, th- some of the stuff you're doing doesn't make sense. Why are we doing it this way? And then, uh, yeah, and then there's some other stuff, COVID-related stuff going on around the country too, the lockdown-related stuff. I, I, think it's, I think it's worth bringing up. I think it's worth talking about. Um, but but I did want to talk about the uh, the death penalty a little bit. I, well, I want to talk about the the federal executions a little bit, um, just because there it, it's it's started to be in the news lately because uh, the Trump administration has started accelerating the executions that have uh, that have been happening, right? So the, the federal government still has uh, the death penalty for for a handful of issues, and uh, Donald Trump has executed more people. In the last few months, than the federal government has executed in the last sixty years, and and I'd love to to hear from you, the listeners, what you think of that. Uh, is this a good thing? Is is Governor er, Governor Jesus uh, is President Trump uh, right to accelerate these? You know, is this justice? Is this fair? Is this what families want and deserve? Or you know, should we slow down on this stuff? Should we abolish the death penalty altogether? And that's, you know, of course, a discussion that's emerging right now in response to this because, you know, we, we just saw another execution recently. So if you have any thoughts on this, give us a call, 585-346-3000. Again, that's 585-346-3000. Are, are you happy with what uh, President Trump is doing here? Uh, should, should we be accelerating uh, fe- federal executions, or should we be going another direction, abolishing it altogether, even? You know, and, and I know, like, in, in the circles of people that I hang around, it's, it's very divided. So fo- folks I talk to are, you know, some are like, all right, eye for an eye, this is what we need to do. You know, if someone has murdered someone, then, yeah, absolutely. There are appropriate circumstances where justice is capital punishment. And there are folks who, you know, make an argument and and I'm sympathetic to this, and I, I've you know kind of gone back and forth on this a little bit, and I kind of lean more towards the 
maybe uh, the death penalty is a problem. Uh, it's the the thing with the death penalty is it's a punishment that can't be taken back, right? So so regardless of of the circumstances, you know, I look at the situation and I think, well, there are situations where the governments or juries get it wrong, although juries are supposed to, you know, convict people and sentence people, judges sentence people, when guilt is established, you know, I'm, I'm not, don't, don't worry about me using the right legal terms, but basically beyond the shadow of a doubt that there's, there's no doubt in their mind, the government has gotten it wrong frequently. Courts have got it wrong frequently. Um, and the, yeah, the, the courts have executed people or come close to executing people who, through DNA evidence and new evidence or stuff that was ignored at the time, has come out and it's turned out, oh, this person was actually innocent. There, there are tons of cases of this. And so knowing that, knowing that this is something that could be done incorrectly, should the government have the power to kill people in this way through the court system if there's a if there's a chance they get it wrong should they have this power and I, and I only say that because this is a type of punishment that you can't take back there's no restitution to be made there are situations where again people have spent decades in prison and it turns out that they were innocent and although you can't get that life back you can't get those years back. They're still able to, to get free. They're still able to, to go out and, and live out the rest of their life. You can't take back the death penalty. If you get that wrong, that's it. That's final. There's nothing else. That's that's the end of the road. I don't listen again, I, I don't always trust governments to get it right. And and in the United States, at least the process for doing this is a lot better than it is in other countries. And that doesn't make it 100% right if there are mistakes. But, you know, it's better than what's going on in you know, Saudi Arabia where they'll behead people for being, you know, homosexual. Like, that's barbaric. It's awful. You know, and, and, I, and I don't know that it's quite right to compare the U.S. system of federal executions quite to that. But again, it is... To me, concerning to see the Trump administration accelerate death penalty and executions, and so uh, just to, to to give you some context for why I'm talking about this, why I'm thinking about this, it's that there was a a guy named uh, Brandon Bernard who was executed after Supreme Court denied the request for delay. He was convicted when he was, I think he was what, 19 years old. He, he was young guy convicted of, of, of murder. And, you know, yeah, there, he was uh, he, he was uh, executed last night by, by the federal government. And so a lot of people are looking at this and like, all right, well, is this the, the punishment that makes sense? Is this what everyone wanted? And is this, a, a, again, a humane way of doing things? And what's interesting about the, the death penalty, something that always confused me when I was researching this a while ago, is how it ends up costing far more than lifetime imprisonment which is a bizarre thing, but just between 
the appeals, the legal process, and then the process of uh, carrying out the execution ends up being more expensive than, than keeping someone in prison. And, you know, I'm still trying to, to figure out exactly, uh, you know, why that that has to be the case. But I guess that, that the process is really um, you, you want to make sure you get it right, right? So you, you give those chances for appeals for the same reason you, you don't want to get it wrong. So, yeah, I, this is something I've been thinking about more lately. You know, I, I've been kind of leaning towards thinking, oh, maybe this isn't something that we want to do. Maybe this isn't something that we should have the government do. So, again, I would love to hear from you on this. Give us a call, 585-346-3000 or 866 552-1009 if you're out of the Rochester area and you're, you're listening to this. Um, but yeah, a lot of people are upset with this. You know, I, the, his attorney called it a, a stain on the, the criminal justice system. And yeah, the, the president could act to, to stop these too. The, the president's in a position of power to to, to delay these executions or to commute sentences in some cases. The president has presented himself as, as a criminal justice uh, advocate. And uh, in these cases, no, he's he's done more. And I think that's what, what, what a lot of people, a lot of people in, in his base want. I think, again, I, I'd imagine that there, there's some listeners on the show who are like, yeah, no, we, we, should, we should plow through that system because the Biden administration probably isn't going to do that. It, what, what the last several administrations have done is that they just not acted quickly to do uh, federal executions. And what's interesting, too, is that there's these uh, outbreaks of COVID-19 related to this, too. And it, and it hasn't slowed it down, hasn't delayed it. All right, so when we get back, I'll keep talking about this here on Radio Free New York. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back in just a few minutes. You're listening to Radio Free New York. All right, welcome back to Radio Free New York. I'm Kevin Wilson, your host today, and we're talking about the death penalty today. And, uh, you know, we did get a couple comments online, too. A couple people, you know, my, my, my question, my title question was, should we abolish the death penalty? And uh, Michelle says yes. Scott says yes. So, oh, a couple of those there. But folks listening online, whether you're listening on our Facebook page, our YouTube page, uh, or the Kevin Wilson Libertarian page, or my Twitter account. Let me know. I want to hear what you think. Should we abolish the death penalty? Should we? Is President Trump right to be accelerating, or, or at least you know pursuing these executions in what a, what seems to be a lame duck term? I don't know. Let me know. I would love to hear what you think. And I, I did want to read off a couple more facts about that case that I was talking about, the one that's, that's got people riled up here and, and stupidly closed out the tab right before I started talking about the segment. But uh, I'm going to read from a, a Reason article that I thought gave a nice summary of this. And, and said, um, so it's Brandon Bernard. In 1999, at 18, he participated in robbery and a carjacking of a couple in uh, Texas. And uh, he, had, he had killed a couple. So I guess that, that's not really in doubt in this case. Happened on military property. So this is a, a federal prosecution. And then it was a three out of five of the people who were involved with this were minors, were sent to prison. Bernard and the other adult, a guy named uh, Christopher uh, Vialva, who was 19, were sentenced to death. 
and uh, Villalba was executed in September. Uh, five of the jurors kind of expressed doubt about putting Bernard to death, and and have asked uh, the the government to consider uh, sparing his life. Uh, as as a former prosecutor who helped try the case and a former warden at the prison. Uh, thousands of people have sent letters to the White House asking for a sentence to be commuted. Uh, Kim Kardashian asked for that, you know, which who's been putting pressure on uh, the Trump administration to do criminal justice reform. And apparently the Office of the Pardon had actually recommended to the Department of Justice to commute a sentence to life in prison. And uh, the Justice Department agreed in its report to the White House, but uh, that didn't happen. Uh, so this, uh, this guy was executed. Again, Looking at the situation, we've talked about kind of like life in prison and whether or not, you know, that's even a good idea too. again. My, my whole deal with the death penalty is it's something you can't take back. It's something that gets – the government gets wrong. And we can argue that the, the, the penalty itself is inhumane, that this isn't that, – that by killing someone, you know, you're, you're not doing justice in this case. Again, I would love to know what you think. I'd love to know uh, if you guys have thoughts on this and about whether or not the death penalty is justice, whether or not it makes sense, whether or not you know we should be pursuing this. Um, and Will Phillips, thank you for the comment. I'm going to read this off now. Is that I think the death penalty is theoretically correct to have, but it's more trouble than it's worth. There is too much of a chance for it to go wrong, but there are other cases that definitely merit it. By his age, uh, Sarnev uh, should be executed. He's the, the Boston bomber. So, again, 100% did that. Heard a bunch of people. And and, and Will says also the, the second DC sniper, possibly. Yeah, maybe. I mean, th- those people, again, there's no doubt about what they did. There's also, uh, oh, who's that dude from uh, D- Dylan Roof, the guy who uh, did the mass shooting in, in South Carolina, the church. You know, should that person, you know, be killed? Should they face the death penalty, capital punishment for what they did? Would that be greater justice? I think you can make an argument for that. I think you can make an argument for you know mass shooters, you know, in in that case. But again, the problem is, and, and I'm going to read from uh, there's a some info on the death penalty here. Uh, now I'll share the link in the chat for those of you who are listening online. Uh, and if you're listening on the radio, you'll just have to go to one of my Facebook pages and check this out if you want more information on it. Um, and it. This is from uh, deathpenaltyinfo.org. You know, I've seen this cited a couple different places, so I'm, I'm hoping it seems like a reputable source. Um, and it says, since 1973, more than 170 people have been released from death row with evidence of their innocence. Um, and it says that an average of 3.5 wrongly convicted death row prisoners have been exonerated each year since 1973, peaking at 7.6 per year between 1999 and 2004. Lots of people, again, they've figured out, and this is not just federal execution. This is uh, uh, the whole way. Lots of people have figured out, well, oh, we almost killed an innocent person. So no no doubt, and, and I don't have the cases in front of me, but there are situations where innocent people have been killed. Again, you can't take it back. But, again, some people I... Again, you, you, you see the damage that's done. You see the hurt that's caused by someone who's committed a, a heinous crime. What? Should, should they be killed? And that's, that's what it is. Should, should the government 
use capital punishment in this case. I don't know. So I, 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 I lean more towards abolishing the death penalty. That, that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at right now just because and – and I've changed my mind on this because I used to be very, very pro-death penalty. I used to be very much like, well, you know, again, if you, you hurt someone in, in or killed someone or killed multiple people, that there are certain crimes where this is certainly justified. Will, I think I was, I was in the same – in theory, I, I get it. In theory, you know, like in, in certain situations where you have like, you know, a mass killing situation. Yeah, yeah, no, I – that makes sense to me. Uh, but a lot of these situations are, are complicated. The evidence is less clear than it should be. And there's also, you know, for what it's worth, and I'm, it, there, there is a racial disparity here too. The death penalty seems to disproportionately impact, you know, non-white uh, uh, prisoners. Uh, so they, they, it seems to, to be for them more um at least disproportionately compared to the pro uh population now i haven't done enough study on this uh to to know whether or not that's uh you know backed by evidence or if it's just you know based on the the number of convictions generally which which could also be true there's disparities in the criminal justice system that experts debate whether or not there is systematic racism as they call it or just a difference in the amount of crimes being committed by race or caught by race so that that same systematic disparity is present in death penalty cases as well so um and that's just you know again another issue that gets brought up and and, and this one study i'm looking at and the, and the link that i posted for people listening online you know which again radio listeners can can check out later you know uh 34 percent of the people executed were african-american or black 8.4 were hispanic 55 percent were white so that's that's what the, the raw data is if you guys want to check that out and then uh, a higher percentage of death row prisoners again 41 percent are black 52 percent are white 14 percent are hispanic that's number of people not executed but who are on death row and again there's there's other ethical considerations too you know is lethal injection a, a sanitized version of of death sort of you know the we used to do hangings and firing squads and, and stuff like that and gas chamber this all sorts of ugly things at the end of the day it's still resulting in the death of a person right so i i think like the, the method to me doesn't matter you know the, the end result is the same. But, but it is interesting because I, I brought up the COVID thing right before I went to the last break because when uh, the government executed a, a person named Orlando Hall back on uh, November 19th, he, I guess all the staff around him, eight staff members, ended up getting COVID. So that's an interesting thing that has happened to uh, five prison staff um, who... <laughs> were going to be taking care of more executions this week and had participated, had, had gotten COVID-19. So it seems that somehow the execution acceleration that the, the Department of Justice is doing is also related to spreading disease because it's a small group of people who are you know, willing and able to, to participate in these. So there's there's been a spike around that and a spike around uh, the, the inmates and the, the facilities that treat these or, or that uh, – 
carry out these executions. Um, so another just interesting thing, and I mean, that that's a whole other issue. I don't know if I want to get into that today because there's there's been an outbreak up here too in, in the Monroe County prison. There's been a, an outbreak of COVID-19, and that seems to be a thing. And if you remember way back when, this seems like years ago now, but the, but there's a justification for releasing folks from the prisons because of COVID-19 to reduce the spread. And, and now we're seeing another uptick in, you know, infections there. And it's, I mean, it, it's a hard thing to control. It's a, it's a closed, limited environment, right? Like when a disease breaks out in a place like that, yeah, you know, everyone's kind of trapped in that position. And, and as much as you try to, if it's an airborne virus, which it seems like it is, you know, there, there's nothing you can really do to control that easily even you know when you you, you control the movement and and the uh, the environment of the people in there all right so that that that's my that's my two cents on the uh, on the death penalty issue uh, you know I'd love to, to keep talking about it if if folks have thoughts on it again comment online give us a call 585-346-3000 and then you know, what I'm going to start talking about next is I want to start talking about some of the COVID stuff. There, there's some wild stories going on with COVID. Um, you know, New York State is changing stuff up. You got stuff coming out of Pennsylvania this morning. You know, and I know some of you are in the neighboring state, so you can pick some of that up. And I want to talk about that and, and all sorts of other goofy stuff. So thanks again for joining us here on Radio Free New York. We're going to be back in just a few minutes. Talk to you soon. Listening to Radio Free New York. Welcome back to Radio Free New York. Thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate you being here today. And uh, shout out down the line to our friends over at WACK out in New York and WENY, the Patriot down the Southern Tier. Thank you for being here. And of course, shout out to our friends online on our Facebook page, Radio Free New York page, my Kevin Wilson page, the Twitter page, the YouTube channel, all those places. You guys rock. Thanks you for listening in. Uh, now, I'm going to shift gears a little bit. You know, I said, I said my thing about the death penalty, but again, if you want to call in, 585-346-3000, tell me I'm wrong, tell me I'm right, whatever you want to do, let me know. Happy to listen. Happy to discuss it. Appreciate you. any feedback. Oh, my, my pup Winston's saying hi. <laughs> uh, so Governor Cuomo just did uh, a press conference, and he's talking about some of the uh, the new changes coming out related to uh, the the red, orange, and yellow zones. And so as I kind of talked about on the show, it looked like the governor was going to shift not to a test positivity rate for determining what a red zone is, but instead turn to a uh, whether or not hospital systems are going to reach capacity, which which honestly I think makes way more sense, right? As, as, I, as I covered before, that that's the whole deal, right? Like COVID's, for most people, very survivable, 
if you don't have too many other pre-existing conditions and even then you know there's there's a lot of treatments that we had but a lot of that is dependent upon whether or not you're able to get adequate medical care and so if a lot of people you know get COVID too quick a certain percentage of those are going to have uh, a serious reaction to it and you know if you're not able to get medical care that's that's when things get really bad folks so, so hospital capacity if there is a, a serious pandemic going on a, a pretty useful metric for determining whether whether or not you know some sort of restriction makes sense because at least I, I don't particularly like the restrictions but I would like them to at least be consistent and logical that I, I don't feel like that's too much to ask you know Governor Cuomo wants to talk about following the science all the time and so do all these other you know uh, political leaders you know end up being hypocrites half the time too but you know if we're going to follow the science let's follow the science let's do stuff that makes sense and let's start um tackling this issue based on the data that's available so to, so a new red zone designation will be whether or not a hospital system will be at 90 percent capacity within 21 days now i'm I don't know enough about this to know how he reached that metric. It's interesting because a lot of hospital systems, as we discussed months ago, too, end up being at high capacity normally because they want to have their beds filled. They're, they're filled with a bunch of stuff because that's, you know, how they keep the lights on. You know, why, why waste the hospital capacity? They're, there's patients who need treatments for all sorts of stuff. And that 90% capacity thing is interesting because hospitals can increase their capacity by, you know, adding on new space adding, you know, outdoor treatment areas. So so they're able to adjust that, and the state is kind of getting them to do that too. So whether or not anyone's going to be in the red zone, that's getting pushed off until Monday because it looked like the area where I live was going to hit the capacity to be a red zone uh, this week because uh, it was based on, again, the, the case positivity rate. So the number percentage of people who are testing positive for the virus based on the total number of people who took it roughly so now it's going to be hospital capacity so we won't know so maybe maybe on monday they'll announce some changes in some places but for now everything is going to be the way it is right which they are making some changes though and and i'm i'm glad because i was particularly grumpy about this i talked about this uh, i'm pretty sure larry talked about this too the 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 gym and barbershop and the salon thing drove me nuts because there was no evidence that these places were at all contributors or significant tr contributors to spread of COVID-19. And, and, and we talked about, like, they're safe. The county health commissioner here in Monroe County, Dr. Mike Mendoza, he talked about how there's no evidence that anything was coming from those places. And yet, in the orange zone designation, they were still getting shut down didn't make any sense. There's almost nothing coming from those places. Well, Governor Cuomo finally listened, and now gyms and uh, barbershops and salons aren't going to have to shut down. Uh, they are going to still put some restrictions on those because Governor Cuomo feels like he's got to do something. Um, so there's, there's going to be kind of like weekly testing that's still going to take place um and and so but they're but they're going to be able to open which which is a good thing again you know 
what, I don't know if any of you have gone. I know some people have gone this whole pandemic and have gotten a haircut. I've gotten a haircut a few times, but it it, it makes sense, you know. Like my my barber's behind me. He's got a you know one of those surgical masks on, and you know he has a bunch there. I wear a mask the whole time. You know, it's it's relatively safe. Again, we're kind of close together, but so it is. But so they're going to require weekly testing for that, um, and so I guess in theory, if a barbershop is you know potentially a source of spread they'll they'll still you know catch that but that that's that's what it is um so again i i i they they released this list of where the covid outbreaks are coming from which is very interesting again something i talked about on, on the thanksgiving episode i was like this is everything's probably coming from like home gatherings right and so the they they figured out the contract tracing. They figured out where this stuff is coming from. Seventy three point eight four percent cases are household slash social gatherings. So it's it's people hanging out at each other's houses or whatever. Like that's where like almost everything comes from. Uh, healthcare delivery was seven point eight one percent. So still, you know, a good chunk there too. It's going people going to doctor or whatever. Uh, and then higher education is uh, 2% education employee, which I don't know exactly what that is. I don't know if that's like teachers and, and like admin staff at schools, 1.5%. Restaurants and bars, 1.43%. So still not actually, that's actually lower than I thought it would be. I, th- I thought it'd be a little bit higher than that for restaurant and bars. Cause that one, I, I kind of get a little bit, like if you've ever been in a bar after like, you know, a certain time of night when people start to get sloppy, you know, I'd imagine people are getting sloppy with their masks and whatnot, too, and, and about getting up and, and walking off without, you know, wearing the mask and wearing it properly. I could I could see a case for that, at least, even though I think that most people are still pretty careful. But I thought it'd be higher, but it's not. It's, not, it's pretty low. Gyms, by the way, if you're looking for percentage for that, when I was talking about this, 0.06% gyms. Very, very low. Almost nothing. Just not it's just not happening. People are being pretty careful with that. Hair salon and personal care, zero point one four percent of all cases can be traced back to hair and personal care. So again, doesn't make sense to shut those down the orange zone. And and my, my rare bit of Cuomo praise for Cuomo getting it right eventually. There you go. Good job getting it right eventually after jeopardizing quite a few businesses. Hooray, Cuomo. Uh, high school students, 0.46%. Very low. Middle school students, 0.19%. Also very low. I mean, these uh, child care is 0.05%. Like, these are very, very low numbers. And, you know, I look at that the high school, the middle school things, the education things. Elementary school students, 0.49%. These are all very low numbers. And... You know, I think you could make the case, and maybe they're, they're, the state's going to argue is because of the restrictions. But I think you can make the case, given the, the low spread numbers. You know, like can we start to look at ways to to get kids back to school? You know, they they don't seem to be a significant source of spread, it, because a lot of places still have you know hybrid models of education. So how can we we look to expand that and kind of take some of the pressure off of you know the parents, especially you know of elementary school children and and, and childcare facilities. Yeah, absolutely. In childcare facilities, most of those are still operating basically full time. You know, they got kids there every day. There's no, you know, 
remote learning for them. Child care is child care. It's very low. So if child care can figure it out, if schools can figure it out, why not continue to find ways to, to actually focus on what the actual source of this is? And again, the, the actual source seems to be parties. That stinks because I don't like the uh, the 10-person gathering limit. I don't like that at all. I don't think that we should have that. But that, that is where they're coming from. So, and, 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 you know, again, like the next next couple ones are far, far lower than any of that. And I don't know if that's a, a consequence of, like, just how people are talking about the contact tracing or, or what. But, yeah, most of this other stuff, like media production, 0.02%. Okay, so why? You know, and I, this is something I, I sort of work in, you know. Um, why why are there still restrictions of that in some places? Oh, there shouldn't be. Be easy. We need to be able to get back to work, take a smart approach to this, and make sure that the, the restrictions are as few as possible so as much of life can continue as possible. Just be careful. Take some personal responsibility. All right. We'll be back here on Radio Free New York in just a few minutes. Talk to you soon. Radio Free New York. All right. Welcome back to Radio Free New York. Thanks again for joining us today. We're talking about some of the, the updates Governor Cuomo has made to the COVID restrictions. And I want to talk about Pennsylvania in a second, too. But there, there's two other pieces of information I found during the break that I couldn't find while I was talking about it. There's one, the, uh, in addition to weekly testing at barbershops and salons, it's 25% capacity, which I don't, most of the barbershops I know nowadays had already, even before the COVID thing, had an appointment scheduling system. So there shouldn't be like a ton of people like chilling in a barbershop. Um, but particularly now, most barbers I know, and I've talked to a bunch of friends about this, including my barber, you, you schedule an appointment, it's just you there, that's it. So 25% capacity, I can't imagine that's like a huge thing. And, and then another interesting quote from Cuomo is, quote, my advice, unless you have data that shows schools are at a problematic infection rate, the school should be open. Um, cool, yes, interesting. Uh, lots of the schools around here are not doing that. They like the city school district, you know, where I live, totally closed, totally virtual. You know, there's a good chance that it may be virtual for the rest of the year, for all I know. Unless, uh, <laughs> but you know, this is this is evidence that we've had for a while. This is something we've talked about for a while that schools don't seem to be a significant source of infection most of the time. And yet, here we are. Here we are, you know, with, with many schools closed, creating a lot of problems f for families. And even if you're a private school, you know, that there's significant challenges in being able to, to open, too. But knowing this data, New York is finally catching up to the data that is there. The, we're, we're finally catching up to, to looking at where the actual sources of spread are, stuff that you know, experts have been saying for a while now. Um, I'm glad you adjusted. You know, I'm good. You know, good good job, Cuomo. As I said, I it better late than never, I suppose. But you know, just wish it hadn't destroyed so many families and livelihoods. But you know, better late than never because we still have other governors going in the the opposite direction, going in the wrong direction. And you know, Pennsylvania, our neighboring state, again, I know some some folks are in the listening area 
residing or working in Pennsylvania, they just announced a whole new set of statewide restrictions. You know, that include banning indoor dining, just statewide indoor dining. They don't have, you know, a yellow zone or, or no zone like we do in New York. So at least New York did that right. You know, if there's not a high number of cases, yeah, you can still dine indoors. Uh, no indoor gatherings of, you know, more than 10 people, which again, I think you could, given the evidence that we have, I think you could at least make a stronger case for, except for the fact that there's, you know, the, the First Amendment thing. You know, just that, that little thing, guys. Just no big deal, but First Amendment. But you should take personal responsibility and be careful about it. That's all I'm saying. Liberty requires personal responsibility, so maybe, you know, be careful, especially if you're sick or you have vulnerable family members. Outdoor gatherings. This is Pennsylvania. More than 50 people prohibited. Uh, In-person businesses still serving the public, 50% capacity. Indoor gatherings at gyms and fitness facilities are prohibited. Again, Pennsylvania, Governor Tom Wolf, there's no evidence of that. Look at look at Cuomo's chart. can't believe I'm citing Cuomo for evidence, but look at that chart. There's a reason he went back on that, and, and he, he was right on that one. Um, all in-person businesses in the entertainment industry serving the public within a building or indoor area are prohibited from operation. So all the theaters, all that stuff, it's all prohibited. Uh, volunteer activities sponsored or approved by school entities, governing body, or administration are suspended but can be held virtually, so you can't do any school activities. And then all K-12 sports are also prohibited. Not allowed to do that. Um, which, you know, again, I'll point out, is not a significant source of spread. It's it's higher up than some other things, but even in the New York State list, 1.04%. So still pretty low. You know, again, I'd imagine, like, if you're, you're playing, you know, soccer, football, something like that, that's not going to be something that's going to be a significant thing or, or goodness uh like cross country or something and i know that's that's more about those are more fall sports i think you're gonna maybe make a better case for you know basketball like because it's an indoor sport or, or volleyball you know I, I usually play volleyball indoors this time of year and you know that place ain't even open not allowed to be open and even if they were open they probably wouldn't be all that busy because well it's, you know it's cramped you, you got a whole bunch of people in a you know a warehouse it's not not great ventilation you know whenever i play in there it's an indoor court that that is indoor sand courts and there's like you know sand in the air everywhere i can imagine the same thing but like covid in the air okay i get why some people might be a bit nervous about that even if you're wearing masks i wore a mask before covid just to deal with the sand i still played but you know same thing I, th there's gonna be stuff hanging in the air I could make a better case for that, but like all sports all together, like, you know, if, if you have like a, I, and I know some high schools have this, like you've got a high school like skiing team or something, like why, why bother banning that? It's outdoors. Go do your thing. You got an outdoor, like, you know, if you do have like winter cross country type of stuff, why, why, why ban that? How's that make any sense? You know, and I'm just, I'm taking a quick look at this because I, you know, I just saw this today. But, you know, we're, we're going to continue to see other states, you know, make these bad decisions. And if they're going to keep beating us over the head with, like, follow science, follow the, you know, follow the situation, be careful, blah, blah, blah. Okay, great. You know, I, I'm sympathetic to that argument. Again, liberty requires personal responsibility. Do what you can to keep yourself and your family safe. At the same time, 
ham-fisted government restrictions on our liberty that shut stuff down despite the evidence is absolutely ridiculous and should be resisted. That we should fight back about that. You know, if you're going to shut down all of these businesses, you know, and, and destroy people's livelihoods, you better be sure there is a ton of evidence to say that is absolutely necessary. And again, even if that's the case, we need to be wary of giving up our liberty in any situation. We have given up far too much in New York. And I think what we need to learn about this is that Governor Cuomo. Even with all of his advisors around him, does not know everything. He doesn't. I know that's not going to be a shock to listeners of this station or any of these stations. It's not going to be a shock to you guys. You, the people who listen to this show, you know, Governor Cuomo is not perfect. But but when you talk to, to friends and family, the people who are fawning over Governor Cuomo, giving him an Emmy, he's changing his mind. You know, and it's it's a good thing for a reason. He's changed his mind and shifted direction several times here because government doesn't know everything. There's a knowledge problem. You cannot possibly know enough about a situation to control every factor. And the default for me, the default for people who like liberty and freedom is to say, yes, we need to make sure that you have the the liberty to be able to act in a way that makes sense for you personally and have all of us be able to work together to find solutions. Yes, get the data. Yes, uh, take precautions. Yes, do things to keep yourself safe. But let's act on the data available, and let's be very, very careful to restrict liberty. Because, again, it's not a small thing. It's not a just to, – to the people sitting back and being like, well, no big deal. Why do you, why do you care more about the economy than lives? The, the economy is not like rich people's stocks. It's, it's someone's restaurant. It's someone's retail shop. It's someone's small business. It's someone's livelihood. It's how they put food on the table for their families. The economy is not an abstract concept. It's what we take home so we're able to eat, so we're able to put a roof over our head, so we're able to keep the lights on. Whenever someone gives you that nonsense of like you're just prioritizing the economy over our lives, no. You are also choosing to destroy people's lives. That's not the trade-off that's making. It's not about getting rich people rich. In fact, the, the, the lockdowns end up driving more wealth in the hands of large corporations because they're able to stay open. Places like Walmart and Amazon and the other big box retailers. No, if we want a prosperous society and one that's healthy and one that gets through the COVID crisis before you know, we figure it out, we, we need to have as much liberty as possible. We need people to be able to figure out these solutions, to be able to trust experts, because right now that trust has been eroded by consistent misleading statements and sometimes outright lies. And we need to be able to act accordingly. We need to be able to take that responsibility and liberty for ourselves. So thanks again for joining us here on Radio Free New York. We'll be back next week. Talk to you then.